Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, we got a great show today. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, we are. We have an opportunity uh, to interview one of the biggest names in diesel racing, I would say. Yeah, diesel you know, competition in general. Dodge transmissions, Cummins power all together. I mean, when you think of Cummins, guys, whether they're on the forums, on Facebook, whatever, they've opened up a magazine at one point or another. If you're in the market for a transmission, you have a Dodge platform of some sort, you've heard of Firepunk. Yeah, right? yeah for sure. Yeah, so no so, secret here. Uh, you guys clicked on the title. You downloaded the episode. Yeah. We are going to be talking to LeVon Miller of Firepunk Diesel about UCC, about his plans for 2019, yeah. about his S10 build, his YouTube channel, yeah. and a whole lot more. Uh, before we get to that, though, one of our awesome sponsors, WC Fab, that's Worley Custom Fabrication, they sponsor our From Facebook segment. And Chris, I want to bring this right up at the top of the show today so we give ourselves some time to talk about it. Cool. Uh, it's a little bit longer of a message, uh, so bear with us here, guys. Try to listen all the way through. Hello, my name's Kyle, I'm 29 and in the market for my first diesel and I'm really enjoying y'all's podcast and trying to learn as much as possible while starting my search for a truck. I've always wanted one and finally I have the financial means to get one. Um, I've gotten bitten by the bug recently since my best friend picked up his second LMM. To start with the basics of the use of the truck, it will be my weekend toy, but will also be used to tow our 22-foot camper, uh, eventually upgrading to a 30-foot, but not for a while. I'm trying to keep my budget realistic and was looking at $20,000 max and staying under 200,000 miles and a 2005 or newer. You got those stats, Chris? Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I am not, or, or I am by far not the type of guy to keep my vehicle stock and do almost all of the work myself. I've taken four years of auto shop and I've modified many vehicles. What would be your recommendations for a truck? Some of the ones I've been looking at are a third gen 5.9 Cummins, a 6.0 Power Stroke, knowing they have issues that need addressing, and I would love a Duramax, but within the $20,000 price tag, I'm looking at a slightly higher mileage model. End goal for horsepower may be around 600 uh, to retain the drivability and comfort for the wife. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, Kyle. Number one, Kyle, thank you so much for sending us a message on Facebook. Not only sending the message like that, but being as in-depth. I mean, he hit on a lot of key points. Just me being on the phone with someone who might call in and, and ask these questions, generally not this polished. Yeah. So, you know, Kyle, I feel like can, he's listened to the show and heard us say right. so many times yep. on messages like, hey, we can't answer all of this. I yep. feel like we can answer no, all of he, this one. He, like, hit this on the head. I mean, yeah. for starters, understanding the market, knowing what $20,000 is going to potentially get you, and then putting a year cap of what the oldest your model would be that he would potentially get himself into um, and then he's actually in, interested in all three brands but he has a Duramax he's looked into some Cummins open mind yeah. I love it I, I love it I mean, um, you gotta be because all they all offer different features they, they do and, and if we're talking about a $20,000 diesel truck I like that we set some realistic parameters here hey finding a 2015 for 20 grand that's not gonna happen but also finding something a 2005 with less than 200,000 miles, that might be tough too. I mean, there's going to be a few gems out there, yeah. but if we look at a 2005 to 2007 model, 
a lot of them are starting to get really close. Maybe they're not at 200K, but they're getting really close. I mean, you know, we've been around this long enough. You know that when guys are selling the trucks with this type of mileage, there's unfortunately a reason for it. Truth. Uh, There's some writing on the walls that those trucks are going to need some upgrades and whatnot. So as a $20,000 budget with a 200,000-mile cap on an 05 or newer, there's some other scenarios that, you know, you're going to want to kind of be aware of. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, let's kind of dive into it. Let's go back and forth on this a little bit. Sure. Well, I know you're going to want to talk about the third gen 5.9 coming. So we're talking in 03 to 05 because we're probably not getting in an 06 for 20K, right? I think right? you could. I mean, I think, you know, the market's come down enough in price to where, you know, you can get yourself into a 06, 07, 5.9 Cummins, um, and maybe even like a third gen 6.7, in all honesty, depending on what you want. Okay. Uh, for probably around 17, 18 cap off that $20,000 mark. Gotcha. So you're going to have very little left over for upgrades. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and going to the Duramax, you know, I know that's, I mean, let, let's just, Listen, let's I'm, just call gonna, this out. I'm going to jump on that Duramax train yeah, for right. sure. But, uh, but you're probably, like you mentioned, you're probably either talking about a higher mileage, like you probably could score an LMM that's had some emissions issues yeah. pretty on the cheap. But I other mean, than that, you're going to be squeaking by to get one in there. I'm just going to cut it out and say this right off the bat, that the six liter is probably going to be out of the equation for several reasons. Um, probably the only main reason that I would even be interested in a six liter or be recommending it is he wants the creature comforts for his wife for them to commute and, and be comfortable. Hey, it's hard interiors. to beat the Ford interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, they all have their issues. I mean, let's face it, all three platforms are going to have some form of issue in one point or another, but it's prone that the six, it's known that the six liters are more prone to it. Yeah. Um, so, you know. And also I, more detrimental right. issues. I think that's something we should bring up here. So when we're talking about a 600 horsepower truck, a 600 horsepower six liter being reliable with the wife and towing a camper, I assume that also means family. Yep. The, the, we start to run up those dollars. Yeah. Now, being at a 600 horsepower Cummins, this probably makes the most sense. As much well, as I'd love to see you in a Duramax, you get done with the Duramax, you're going to need the trans, you're mm-hmm. going to need the turbo just to get to that 600 number. Mm-hmm. Now, with a Cummins, let's say he did an older 03 to 05 Cummins. I mean, no matter what. Leave him a little room. He's still going to need a trans, right, to get yeah. to six. I mean, realistically, if you were to go with the Duramax or you were to go with the Dodge, you're going to need a, the same components, essentially, to get to that 600 mark, realistically, Fair respectively. Fair enough, yeah. Um, the six liter, I think it's going to be a little bit more money in certain areas, plus the quote unquote bulletproofing, which granted, head gaskets fail every day. You know, it's a potential that you would have to do that on the other two platforms. Um, but I, I mean, I would be leaning more towards the, the third gen 5.9 or, you know, like a 04 and a half you know, LLY, uh, LBZ maybe, depending on the price tag. I mean, yeah, if you, if you LBZs could, are coming down in price. If you could score like a farm truck LBZ, I could see that being a, mm-hmm. a, a home run. Something Maybe you don't care as much about the body. You know, maybe it needs a new set of tires. Well, These mean, are I, things that, believe it or not, sellers will run down the price on themselves saying, well, oh, I mean, the body's not I look at it from this things. perspective. You know, uh, it's no secret. You know, anyone that listens to the channel or follows us over at Calibrated Duramax Tuner, we we bought Project Connect last year. It's an 06 crew long LBZ fully loaded truck. Um, we we did get that truck for a little under twenty thousand. Yeah. Um, it was head studded, gasketed. It had a new CP3 pump. It had some other parts. Had a modified turbo. Yeah. But the flip side to that is is it had injectors that were they were they were done. Yeah. And when we pulled them off and sent them to Exergy, thinking that we were going to be able to have them honed, which that was actually in one of the videos. Right. 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 They were junk. 
Yeah. They were junk. So uh, there, there's a risk in anything, of course. Um, but you could definitely get your hands on an LBZ, you know, six-speed auto truck for the right price and, and be comfortable, you yeah. know, have some of those creature comforts. Um, but I would say the bang for your buck, man, as far as a reliable truck, I mean, I, I'm in favor to of a Cummins. Take, to take to 600 horsepower, mm-hmm. so am I. At this, at this price, at this budget, to be honest with you, it's hard to argue with you on yeah. that. Um, and Chris and I don't always agree, and I think today's do's and don'ts, however, will be one that we do agree on, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the do here, Chris. Do, make sure to check the basics each spring. And I think this is one that a lot of truck owners miss because they think, hey, just every 3,000 miles. Well, me, I always put more miles on in the summer than I do in the winter. Of course. I just don't drive as much, right? But but that means once that season changes, some of these things you still need to check. Tire pressure, this is such a simple one. It's so stupid. It's so innocuous. No, it's such a big deal. But it's such a big deal. It impacts your fuel mileage. It impacts your ride quality. Yep. It impacts so many things, and it's easy to overlook. And as temperatures, especially we had a 100-degree yes. or 80-degree swing in four days around here this year. The tires, um, the tire pressure. Tire pressure a 10, changes. 10 PSI difference in yeah. the truck from what the monitor was showing. Absolutely. So so check your tire pressure. Check your oil level. Check your def level if you have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- these are things. Go through. Do all the basic checks. If you had a 16-year-old child, and you are teaching them here's the basic things you need to check on your truck go through and check that shit every spring you need to do it i check i mean you can be more anal attentive i do mine once a week um i I do check my oil um i i check you know window washer fluid you know trans you know fluid i I just i'm that way i like to be more in tuned sure um and don't run everything to empty you know don't run the (laughs) windshield washer fluid all the way down like don't have the alert come on and then keep going because you're going to be in a scenario i know someone that just did this they woke up one morning they went to go start their vehicle uh the windshield was frozen over they didn't have a chisel they went to go windshield wash their truck uh, windshield and they had no washer fluid good job dumbass that happens. Also helps burn out the motor when you don't have yeah, fluid exactly. in there and you run it. So like, it's you just know, a really good way to cost and, and, you more money. In DEF, I don't. With the weather lately, it's been a tough one. Guys call in. I'm having DEF heater issues. I'm having contaminated, you know, DEF fluid. Oh, okay. Well, you know, has the truck been sitting? Well, yeah, the truck sat for a while and it was on empty. Well, why are you letting the truck sit with the DEF tank on empty? Yeah. You know, moisture is going to build up. So keep that stuff topped off. When it goes to a half, fill it back up. You know, DEF, so many times guys will be on the phone like, oh, I want to delete the truck. I'm tired of, you know, adding in the rat piss, they call it or whatever. <laughs> Dude, it's $10 for two and a half gallons. Get over it. Which lasts you a long time. Yeah, it 5, lasts you, miles? It lasts you, like... you know, quite a few thousand miles. You're driving, I mean, even the worst scenario you know, on an LML, you're still paying $30,000. Right. It, it's $10. Get over <laughs> it. Like, honest to God. It's just little things like that. It's like a neglect and maintenance. It is. Know? It is. And hey, listen, if you are the guy who neglected your maintenance or if you're just the guy who had some problems, uh, you're probably also running with a tuner and you're figuring, trying to figure out how do I diagnose this problem? Duramax tuner, calibrated power, diesel insights yep. video just came live on those YouTube channels. So you can go to either channel. I do suggest the Duramax tuner one. Uh, search for Diesel Insight videos. we got a great playlist there with, I think, 70-plus videos now. Uh, we just published one on data logging. Yeah. So walking you through what is it like. We gave you the example scenario of an LLY with a, a low rail pressure issue. Nick walks you through kind of how to data log, what we review when we look at a data log, uh, and, and just a lot of other good information yeah. around this. And, and data logging isn't something that's unique to EFI Live. We yeah. have a lot of other tools and platforms yeah, that other have data logging. Custom tuning softwares and hardwares that can do that. But. So regardless of what your truck is or what your tuner is, if you're looking to, to figure out what the issue is, 
go watch that video, get some ideas, mm-hmm. and maybe that'll help get yeah. you down the road. All right. I guess I'll handle the don't here. Kind of want to touch base on a don't too, um, but don't ignore small, you know, leaks of any kind, oil, coolant, things like that. Little tidbit. So over the summer, uh, it was like a Thursday, and that following Friday, I was going to be leaving to go to Kentucky to one of the thoroughbred events. Sure, I remember. And uh, I was in my truck. Me and one of the guys, we went to lunch. We're driving back. I'm hammering on it. Parked the truck. Sits outside for a couple hours. It's 80, 85 degrees out. Go walk outside after work, and there's a puddle of coolant underneath my truck. Yeah. Where does the coolant come from? I'm thinking that a head gasket popped. I would have been pissed. Right. right. Um, but my water pump ended up, you know, pissing a little bit and uh, ended up finding out after I I bought, bought a new water pump, put it in, you know, paid money out of pocket. There was a recall through RAM. I could have been covered. <laughs> no big deal. I could have ignored it. Right. Right. You could have ignored it. And honestly, it wasn't anything. It was a, the seal had, had pushed open. It wasn't a big deal. I drove another 30 miles home. No problem. I did check my coolant level. Everything was fine. It didn't leak when I got home. It's so easy I to put that fine. stuff on the back yeah, burner. You could have put it on the back burner. Yeah. But that could have cost me a motor. That could have cost me being stranded on the side of the road. So when you see little minute leaks, if you see any dripping of any kind, I park my truck in my garage in the same spot every night. And when I back it up, I look in that spot. That, Do that, I have any leaks? Right. You know, it's an easy one. Yeah, diesels breathe. Okay, there's going to be little residual over time and little whatever. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, if you have standing this and standing that, you have to take the initiative and make sure it's taken care of because it's going to cost you big money real quick. And that also falls back to you know Kyle asking about the used trucks. Yeah. You know, you might find a truck that's leaking a little something here or there and you negotiate thinking you're getting the better deal and then it comes time to fix and you're like oh fuck yeah you know so be, be careful with that stuff well well i think that point is right there you know um those little things even if they are little drops or breathe as you call it um know where they're coming from exactly I think that's one of my things yep. with this is like know what's going on yeah. hey listen if if you got to wait for your paycheck on friday to fix something we get it we've we've been I've, there we've talked I've to guys there. that have been there that makes sense to me uh but but know it don't don't put it on the back yeah. burner don't ignore it don't say well i'll see if it happens again well, investigate well let's let's bounce into this too and this is something that reminds me i had customer on the phone the other day lb7 duramax inquiring about some injectors you haven't driving the truck you know over the last six months man she just keeps making oil that's a problem <laughs> it's making oil because fuel is mixing with the oil you could have a return line issue uh the Which injector you hope, bleeding you off hope you hope that's a, what that a, is a return but, line yeah i mean i've had guys where that's cost them thousands that's cost them motors yeah oh yeah don't don't quote unquote milk it and oh, i'm just taking it easy and driving it no stop park the truck if you yeah 160 degree 165 degrees coolant temp means the truck is warm seals are are warm it doesn't matter how hard you run the rpms clearly yes a ton of extra rpm is going to hurt it but even just normal operation can make these things progressively worse and it's not like on day one it's it's a one on the scale of bad and then on day two it's a two there's there's an exponential opponent or a, a a component to this where it just keeps multiplying it keeps getting worse and worse and worse more and more rapidly so i just want to see you guys uh keep a heads up man give a fuck about your truck yeah i, I mean think that's the thing and to be honest i think most of our listeners they do 
give a fuck about their truck. Yep. It's probably their buddy who who they need to, you know to poke in the arm about this, right? I do want to give you know just a little tidbit, a little shout out. There has been an overwhelming amount of responses from guys, and I'm not just saying this. You know, you hear other people like, "Oh, thank you to fans and this and that," but I've had a lot of people taking the initiative and calling in my direct line to ask questions, like, "Oh my God, I listen to you on the podcast. I'm talking on the phone." Like, I appreciate that, but it's really nice that people are reaching out to say thanks. You know, thank you for pointing this out, Paul. They give you credit too. I don't know why, but by default. <laughs> <laughs> but it is cool. You know, you, you want to stress these things out because to me, honestly, I think it's common sense because I deal with it every day. But sure. it's not. And well, if we it, didn't, if we it's easy to it, overlook, it right? Is. It's it e- really is. It's really easy to overlook. And trust me, we know guys who know a lot more about diesel than us who still make these fucking mistakes. Yeah. You're, I know you remember this one, heading to the drag strip and watching a, a truck get worse and worse in time and then asking, like, hey, who changed the fuel filter in that company yeah. truck last? And everybody just yeah. gets wide-eyed and looks. It's easy to overlook yeah. this stuff. That's why we try to bring yeah. it up and remind everybody, hey, take your time. Go through the basics. It doesn't matter how long you've been around this industry. Mm-hmm. It matters what you do in it today. Yep. It matters what you do tomorrow. Yep. Just be aware. Yep. Well, hey, guys, without any further ado, I think we're ready to dive in. Uh, let's get him on the phone. All right, guys, and Calibrated Power sponsors our special guest today. He was the 2014 and 2015 DPC champion. That's Diesel Power Challenge. First place winner of the 2016, 17, and 18. That's all of the ultimate call-out challenges. Uh, Pro Street Points Championship, uh, he's won that. Pro Street record at 497 at 151 miles an hour and 788 at 181 miles an hour. I'm going to assume that's the difference between eighth mile and quarter mile Mm -hmm. there. Uh, we have LaVon Miller. LaVon, how the hell are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, man. Doing great. Getting excited uh, for this cold weather to finally break. We are freezing up here yeah. in northern Illinois. I'm done with it. We're the same way. We've got a uh, bunch of guys that are itching for the weather to break so we can uh, get this uh, itch of racing out. <laughs> we got a couple of our race trucks running just last night, one of the 590 truck that we're going to be running this year which is a 12 valve which is kind of oddball for fire pumps so we got it going last night and we pulled it outside and cooled it up and uh did a little burnout and uh we were like man it needs to quit snowing now <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's like you know i can stay inside and only watch so many videos before i'm like yeah i need to be doing something i need I, to get out there at this point in the winter you're you're achy you're moody like paul we were just talking before that's this just you he is all like the time. <laughs> no it, it more so when it's like this you know you get cooped up it's just like this weather's depressing you just want that for a, a peace of mind to clear your head yeah, man. Yeah, go to well, the racetrack. Hey, if we're talking about clearing our head, we got LaVon Miller here. LaVon, you have probably accumulated, at least in the last five to six years here, more records and more titles than anybody else in the industry. Yeah. Um, I think right at the top of the show, I just want to kind of ask, what's helped you be so successful in diesel competitions? Well, first of all, I mean, I feel extremely blessed for the success we have had. Uh, because I really, I look back, uh, look over our trophy shelf, and there's a lot of them. And, but really, I didn't, I didn't win anything in my life um, until like I won Diesel Power Challenge, and it was like it flipped for me. Uh, it was one of those <laughs> things that uh, we were kind of. I, I waited in business, like what I was started doing truck stuff in 2005, really hardcore, and that was as a hobby. And then 2009 is when we started it as a business. Uh, 2010 is what was my first full year. Um, 
but I never, I kept all my money in the business. We didn't really build a big truck. I had a twin turbo VP truck for a while, which you can spend all the money you want on those and it'll never amount to just absolute greatness. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I kind of waited till I went to Diesel Power Challenge with Bain and Woosley in 2013. And I went out there and I saw the caliber of trucks that was there. And I was like, man, I pretty sure I know what it would take to win that challenge because I had just put a truck together for a customer uh, that had like 200% overs and a 6640 Ford twin set up on it uh, with a pretty, you know, the built bottom end and that thing absolutely ripped, schooled fast and that's what I did is I signed up for that and uh, with that exact recipe and we went to 20 CPC 2014 and won and it was kind of like the start like I, I think I had seasoned myself enough to where I had been around the block and had broken up parts that I kind of had a good idea of what it took to succeed at that point. And my brothers were, my younger brothers were old enough at that point to help, and we had a good team. And it takes a whole conglomeration of good parts, good people, and uh, good shops to team up with for fuel systems and engines and the whole nine yards. So many gems in there, huh, Chris? Yeah. I, I mean, n number one, it's something that we hear so common from guys at the top of this industry, mm -hmm. uh, talking about the failure, all the times that things went wrong right. and all the shit that broke and all the times that, you know, you, you bought from the wrong vendor, you put the wrong set of parts together. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it takes a lot of experience to kind of whittle that down to figure out what's the right recipe for success. Um, speaking of, one right. of the key components to your recipes for success has always been the Cummins. I don't think I really got a chance to, to push back on you very much about this last time we had you on the show. Uh, why the Cummins, man? Like, why not the Duramax or the Power Stroke? Like, why have you always been such a Cummins nut? Um, first of all, if you open all three hoods, um, tell me which one you want to work on. That's kind of a no-brainer, if you can actually get to everything on a Cummins. Um, I, I was... Uh, I always liked the Dodge trucks growing up, but I wasn't like a Dodge Ram nut. Um, like, I wasn't like a diehard. I mean, I I really didn't get into Dodge Cummins that much until my dad got one for, um, he, he just got it for around the farm and work back in 2004, maybe it was 2003 when he bought it. Uh, they bought a 2001, you know, it was two years old. It was a really nice truck. And coming out of my uh, coming from a Ford with a 360 in it, we couldn't believe how much power it had for towing a trailer. <laughs> and, um, then, you know, you find the forums, and I, that was, I, I was on Cummins Forum and then Compte in 2006, and as a 19-year-old that has a need for speed, uh, you quickly find out that you can spend $500 on a programmer and pick up 120 horsepower, and then, you know, the rest kind of follows this whole, whole recipe, and that that's kind of how I started with the Cummins is I, my dad had one and I got addicted to the sound and the horsepower and I'm a Dodge guy. I guess how it is now. Yeah. I dig it. I mean, I that's I, most of the time guys that have Dodges, you know, we've made this comment before. They never say I, I own a, a, a Ram or a Dodge. It's I have a Cummins. <laughs> you know, that's what you take pride in with the trucks. And I, I like the trucks myself, but sure, it's the engine. They're simplistic, easy to work on, and like you know, I agree with you. You pop right. the hood. What do you want to work on? I'm no mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, ain't that the truth? So, all right. I mean, at the end of the day, brand loyalty is important because I, I, you never sell a, a Dodge to a Ford guy, and you never sell a Ford to a Chevy guy because right. they're all going to break. And if you sell a guy 
that's brand loyal to another brand, a different brand, the minute that anything happens, I mean, God forbid the tires wear out, they're going to blame it on the brand. Yeah, the brand was a piece of shit. Go back to the Ford. Exactly. No, that's true. So, that's just kind of how, that's kind of what I've picked up from it. But, you know, I really like the Cummins platform, the inline six, and uh, it's just, it's something that I've learned, and that's what we focused on. When we first started Firebunk, I worked on some Fords and Chevys, and I did some transmissions of all three brands, and I found out pretty quickly that I could never be excellent at all three. So I kind of focused on what I do, and now that i got a shop full of Dodge Cummins only, and if there's Fords or Chevys there, they either have a 48RE in it or they have a Cummins in them. <laughs> <laughs> Will you ever build an engine that's not a Cummins? Will you ever put a truck together that that's not powered by a Cummins? Is that is that like a hard rule there? No, I. Um, if that's what I'd have to do to win something, I might. But so far, I haven't seen the need to lose, so I just stick with the Cummins. Real, realistically, do you threaten your brothers if they come to the shop with a Ford or a Chevy, they're gone or what? No, they, uh, they can do whatever they want. I mean, somebody's got to get the trophy, so somebody's got to get second place. So I dig it. I dig it. Man, it, it's it's been crazy to see you guys blow up since 2014 with a consistent win in whatever that year's you know biggest competition was. Uh, now we're seeing you guys really active on YouTube over the last few months here. So I was watching a Meet the Team video, a dyno tuning session around stuff, the shop. Yeah. Uh, Circulating on Facebook and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell us a little bit about uh, your guys' kind of endeavors here with the new YouTube channel. Yeah, well, we've got uh, got a very active shop. There's 12 full-time guys, and we get to work on a lot of cool stuff. And I don't know, it's kind of been a a goal of mine for a while to try to, you know, just keep up with social media and the stuff that we're doing in the shop to get it on social media and it's tough because we all got full-time jobs and it's hard to do i figured out that the social media and the video stuff is a whole job in its own so um i actually had, i hired uh, connor which is my video guy he's a local guy um we uh parents and family go to our church and i kind of got to know them and um, he had an interest in graphic art and design and video stuff, so it was kind of a good fit. I said, you know, why don't you come work for us? You can help us with, you know, a website, social media, and capture content around the shop on a daily basis. And, you know, I figured we'd figure it, you know, keep him busy for a couple hours a day on that and to fill out the rest of the day, maybe to help out with shipping or cleaning up around the shop, stuff like that. And as soon as he came on, full time, I figured out that I had a lot more work in that that uh, field than what I really knew I did. So he's pretty much been full time just capturing content and helping on the website with pictures and videos and all kinds of stuff. But that's what we wanted. We looked around and we're like, well, we're, it's really awesome to work on all of these badass builds. Uh, we want to capture some of that content and turn it loose to the public so they can mm-hmm. see what all we get to play with. What it's like the, in the real world, right? Day in the life. Right. It yep, is. That it's uh, not all just uh, not just uh, awesome. Like you've got to you got to work for everything. Yesterday we had a truck come in for a quick uh, dyno tune. He had been on the dyno in January and he upgraded his injectors, and he just wanted to readjust the tune for um, his injectors, uh, his new injectors, and it blew the upper radiator hose off, and it had a. Um, aluminum radiator aftermarket radiator in it and it didn't look like the ribs 
were quite tall enough to keep it uh, on there, so we ended up pulling the radiator, TIG welding a dash 20 fitting on, and using our billet uh, upper radiator hose uh, pieces for the uh, upper water neck, okay. where we could go to a dash 20 um, upper radiator hose, and made another dyno pole, and the lower hose was leaking a little bit, and we checked for block pressure to make sure we didn't have a head gasket problem, uh, but it wasn't lifting the radiator cap and it didn't have any compression gas in the cooling system, so we ended up doing the same modification to the lower radiator. So our one hour dyno session turned into ten and a half hours of working on a truck. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it goes. That's, that's the easy jobs, right? Yeah. That's how yeah. the easy jobs go. Right. You know, it's like people don't realize, you know, they look from the outside in and they're like, oh, you know, you buy all these nice shiny parts and you put it all together then you go win well no. it's not without uh, perseverance and you got to work through all these little quirks and problems to be successful well, that's what that's what YouTube's there for, you know. You're providing that information. Oh, well, I mean, you, we deal with it, it here is, too. Yeah, you know, you sure. have a guy who has a truck built here, and you think, oh, only a month or two, well, you know, a month or two. No, it takes right. a little bit of time, and then getting the bugs worked out of it, leaks, tuning, you know, the whole nine yards. Then you get the truck on the dyno, and then this happens. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't right. know how many times we've seen the the truck on the dyno, and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, you do have a, a a hole the size of a quarter in the bottom of your intercooler, yeah. or or whatever, yeah. right, or whatever happens. Right. Um, You've been only driving it for two years. You didn't yeah. know about it. <laughs> Well, here you go. Right. Well, there's been a yeah, lot. Yeah, we get to do a lot of dyno tuning. Um, and that's honestly, like, you start looking around, and I I go back over my dyno sessions, and I think we did like over 2,500 dyno pulls last year. And I was like, go back through my phone, and I have maybe 25 different videos of a truck on the dyno. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I gotta get somebody in here and capture some of this content. We really we learn a lot, and. Uh, forums used to be my go-to thing that I used to learn everything on when I was, you know, that was, I mean, it seems makes me feel old. I'm 34 now. Um, <laughs> but 15 years ago, when I was first getting into diesels, I would go on the forums and I would read through all these problem scenarios and what the resolution was. Uh, but any more of this generation, they're on Facebook, Instagram, yeah. um, and they're reading all this information and we've got it all right here, I just assume give them good information. So yeah. <laughs> we're hoping that uh, the YouTube channel can grow and we can put out good content that's interesting for the diesel enthusiasts. And too, if anybody of our customers or if they're listening, if they've got something, a part comparison or something they want us to feature on the YouTube channel, call us up and uh, we'll set up an appointment. They can bring their truck down and we'll feature their truck and the parts that they're installing. That's awesome, Very man. Cool. What a big invite. Chris, you're going to have to drive your truck down there. Probably not. I'll sell it. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of trucks and, and kind of some big things that are happening, obviously there was a lot of buzz back in December um, when you had sold the UCC truck. Yeah. Uh, so Josh Scruggs yep. of Triple Heart Fab uh, now has that truck. He'll be competing at UCC this year. Can you tell us a little bit about your decision not to compete at UCC? Oh, well, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision, uh, but it was definitely something that uh, kind of fell together and it felt like it was the right time and the right place. Um, we had, it started with, uh, we were expecting a, our third child, May 2nd, which is the day before UTC. Congratulations. So that, obviously, that obviously poses a couple of uh, conversation pieces between me and my wife to trying to figure <laughs> out how we're going to figure this out. Um so we were like, we kind of 
bouncing around some ideas, maybe having, uh, let, you know, we've won for years. I was like, well, maybe we'll just, like, turn it over to the shop and let the guys have some fun with it. We'll let somebody drive it on drag race day, somebody else drive it on dyno day, and somebody else on flood pool day, and, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, so that was kind of the direction that we were leaning towards. Um, in the same time, we were also just looking at the Pro Street class. Um, we've gone, like, we were certified for five O's in the eighth, um, and we've been looking for a four-second pass for, like, two years, and we finally got it at Rudy's Fall, went a 497 at 151. So we were kind of a point where there's not going to be more faster, um, faster, 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 and end up in the 450s with that truck because we're going to be getting kicked off the track if we go in the fourth. So we were going to have to settle back, to settle down in that class and focus on just going 5-0 and being consistent. And that's still extremely hard to do. Sure. The Pro Street class in itself isn't broken. But when you look at the three-year plan, you don't really have huge goals to strive for to make it go faster. So that combined with uh, having a baby the same weekend as UCC and about the same time, Josh Scruggs made us a respectable offer as a, for the truck as a roller, so we pulled the power plant and everything out of it. Um, that was kind of like an offer came in on Friday, and Monday I called him and said, let's do it. So <laughs> oh, wow. I, it was a hard decision, but three days I just said, you know, if I don't, if I don't just say yes or no now, I'll probably never be able to decide. So that's, that's how it all went down. That's really interesting. So it, it sometimes it does just come down to good timing, right, to where things kind of align and, and you're able to make that decision or, or help make that decision easier. Um, where does that leave you for next year? What does 2020 look like? Would you plan on coming back to the UCC, and would you have to go through the qualifier bracket? Uh, I don't know. I have not really thought about that. Um, I would – I the ultimate call-out challenge is – it's cool. It's, it's, you get you have to build a well-rounded truck that can do everything, um, but it is an extreme amount of work. It's a big, uh, it's a financial strain on a business, but it does pay off in recognition if you can succeed and you can uh, capitalize on it. Uh, I had a couple guys ask me about that, like you know, can you can you just uh, start a business? and throw all your eggs in one basket, build the baddest ass truck there is, and go out and win something like UTC and be put on the map and succeed. Well, you can get a bunch of brand recognition by winning a national event like that in one weekend, and your phone's going to probably ring the next week. But if you don't have the team and the facility to capitalize on that brand recognition, that win really doesn't actually make you any money. Gotcha. That's a really good yeah. point to make. It, it's not just having people call you, right? You actually have to be able to right. deliver right. after that and be able to hold a reputation, have an infrastructure built to support that type of flood of, of calls. Also, I think one of the differences, right. I, I kind of wonder to hear, what was what was the difference or the impact on your business from like 2015 with your second win of DPC compared to 2018 with your third win of UCC? Like by this time, you had already moved miles up the ladder from where you were back in like 2013 before any of this started so right what what would what did that difference to your business look like after the 2015 win compared to after the 2018 win 
Um, we were we were on a growing trend, a uh, significant growing trend before we even won DPC 2014. Um, but if you go back and you kind of look at our business model and you look at the growth, you can tell uh, directly um, DPC win 14, then 15, then UCC 16. Each one of those had a percentage of growth jump like in the following two months after the event. Um, and it, but it's still just kind of – it wasn't really just a bump and then it's leveled back out. It just it kind of continued that original growing trend that we had before we even won any of those events. But in the 2018 win, we didn't see that significant bump in growth like we did in 14 through 17. And I think it came to the point where, like, now people are expecting you to win. Um, when we started DPC, we were the underdog. We were the kids you know, out in between cornfields that they wanted to come out and see, see a dodge finally go out and just kick butt at uh, DPC. <laughs> and then UCC, we built this truck and we kept it a secret. And it was fun. Like, that, that was some of the best times I, I can, re, you know, think back over the winter of 2015, building the UCC truck and not telling anybody about it. And then, like, being on the way to Rudy's and making a post that, you know, the quad cab is not the UCC truck and we built something new and, like, Everybody's like, no way, you know. And then it seemed, a lot, it seemed like everybody was cheering for us. But then you go three years later, and then somebody else, they're ready to see somebody knock us off our ladder. And that's not bad. It's just how competition works. So it, uh, I, I didn't see significant growth in UCT to where it would just sustain to continue to putting a substantial amount of money in the event. Uh, but if I'm going to go to an event like that, I'm going to play to win. I mean, we... That's just kind of how I like to do events. So I guess, you know, a couple things here. You know, the, the regular cab, there was a series of modifications to the chassis and placement of the motors over the years. You know, you post that stuff on. Right. It was on the Cummins Forum stuff for a while. I haven't been on there for a while, but on Facebook and things like that. That was a learning experience for you with that truck. Letting go of that truck the, the way you did the Josh Scruggs. I don't believe that you're you're out for the count for good. You know, you might you know take a sabbatical yeah. for a couple of years, <laughs> but when you come back, well, we have we have a really unique opportunity uh, with racing the S10 and the Pro Mod class. Okay. Um, that is a customer owned project. It's uh, customer owned by Edgar Articona um, out of Texas, and they have a Save the Racks charity foundation, and that's kind of the promotion behind the event or behind behind that truck. Uh, his wife. Had stage four breast cancer, and uh, she came through it and survived. And now oh. he is—he wants to promote um, his charity and breast cancer awareness, and he wants to. It's—it's it's really a—it's a good tool for him to um, go out to the track with his family and his uh, wife and kids. And it's—it's it's fun for us because we get to build it and then we get to campaign it. Um, so we have a big opportunity in figuring out the two-wheel drive side of the chassis because we've been four-wheel drive this whole time. Um, so now we kind of have a recipe that works for a four-wheel drive. So customers coming to us looking to build a four-wheel drive chassis, we take what we learn in the Pro Street UCC truck and we apply it to what we're recommending to customers. And now we're trying to learn everything we can possibly learn on what to take to make a two-wheel drive chassis go as fast as it possibly can at, you know, at the ProMod level. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're focused on for 2019, and there's some talk about uh, a new build for 2020, but uh, those are not 
finalized plans, but we have uh, we have some things that we've been hashing around on what we're going to do. Can you explain to maybe our newer listeners the difference between a pro street and a pro mod truck? The uh, the biggest difference, like pro street, there's a couple different rules that um, will not allow you to make your vehicle lighter than 4,500 pounds. Um, that's really the the biggest difference. Like you take horsepower plus weight, I mean, the lighter you can make your vehicle, the less power you need to make to go the same speed. So when you're limited to a 4,500-pound vehicle, um, it takes a lot of horsepower to get that massive weight accelerating quickly. In ProMod, there's no limit in how light you can make it. So we can go, you know, full tube chassis, fiberglass body, fiberglass cab, doors, bedside, whole nine yards. We're putting carbon fiber tubs in that you're trying to get an aluminum billet engine, aluminum head, you're trying to make it as light as absolutely possible so that uh, all the horsepower you have will net you the best ET. And the heavier pro street trucks are just handicapped because of the weight that, that they are at 4,500 pound minimum. How, how light can you get a pro mod truck down to? I mean, what, what's the, the average or the bottom of this or, or the goal? The average of what is on the track, like in the 2018 season that we raced with, we raced that a race weight of 3,275 pounds last year in the F10. Um, there are some vehicles in as much as 3,800, and uh, I know that we we were the calculations that we've done. If we would build a best of the best chassis in the Pro Mod category, we think we could be a race weight with a driver around 2,650. Oh wow! Oh shit! That's incredible. So. That's kind of the direction that we're leaning if we build a new platform for the 2020 season. Uh, it's kind of going towards, like, let's build the absolute best, lightest chassis we can uh, that's still a door car and put a Cummins engine in it and just see really how fast can you make a door car go. Wow. Uh, but it is it's a significant financial investment. And then you look at if you transfer that vehicle over into some gas classes, if you want to go out and play in... Um, some radial tire, small tire races, or even some no prep. Um, it kind of poses a problem because some of those classes have rules that you have to have a steel cab and a steel roof and quarters. And some of them, like if you want to run in the radial versus the world class that they just had at lights out, I mean, you got to, some of those cars are making 5,000 horsepower. Jesus. And I don't really think we have the horsepower available. Um, to compete in that class on something that we can stage through a converter. You know, you can add monster turbos, and, I mean, the sky's the limit maybe on making horsepower, but a lot of these uh, super stock tractors or stuff that are make, making four or 5,000 horsepower, you're not going to be able to stage that turbo setup in a converter and stage it in the beams and race. Okay. So diesel's still got a long ways to go to compete at the top level with the gas cars, but... I do look at those guys, and there's a lot to learn from them. And I'm like, what would it take to take the best of the best diesel and put it beside those gas cars and go play ball? Because you would raise some eyebrows if you could do that. Yeah, no yeah, shit. Absolutely. I think one of the other things to talk about here is the rising level of competition just within the diesel segment. Yeah. Uh, over 2018, I think we saw three or four different uh, world records set. Um, or at least Definitely. new records set yeah. within the classes. Uh, it seemed like every time we turned around, there was something. There's somebody new had taken over a, a different title. Um, how does sure. that impact you now with no more NHRDA? I've, the the big guys all seem to have moved to ODSS. Is that the mm -hmm. right right nomenclature there? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, ODSS seems to be, I mean, they've really done very well, and um, they've added a couple races. We, we get to host an ODSS race here in Ohio, uh, May 31st and June 1st, called the Outlaw Diesel Revenge. Um, we're trying to make it, blow it out of the water, and make it as, as good an event as possibly can be. And then we're also offering a fuel incentive program for some of those NHRDA travelers that don't have a place to go in the west anybody who's traveling more than 500 miles uh the first uh the first 20 racers that are traveling more than uh 200 miles we're going to give them 250 bucks gas to help cover their fuel very cool trying to give those guys a little bit of incentive to make a trip to ohio for the uh odr event that we're having that's awesome man that's cool i'm excited um when so so that truck's coming up in may how many racers are, are committed to that one well, being the ODSS event, I mean, there's a lot of people who follow the um, series. Um, so we end up getting about 85 to 100 racers kind of organically that automatically follow that series. So you, you'll you have some of that organic following that comes automatically, and then it's our job to promote that event to try to get all the, uh, all the guys that can't make it to all seven events to try to come to these events when it's semi-local to them you know if they're within a four-hour window you know we're trying to reach those guys and be like come on down we're gonna we're gonna try to throw a big bang we're gonna do uh, like a, a normal traditional odss event where we have some qualifying friday friday night then we're gonna do a show with um some no time races um there'll be gas cars there there'll be a couple different classes that we can race no time there'll be some jet cars friday night and then saturday we're gonna have um X-Town Performance is going to do a show and shine at our event. Uh, Thoroughbred Diesel is going to hold a dyno competition at our event. And then ODSS is going to have all their racing throughout the day Saturday all the way through the semifinals. And then we're going to have a um, Outlaw Diesel Revenge finale uh, that's brought to you by Hot Top Secrets. It's going to sponsor that. And we're going to do open the evening with a flyover. Um, the Wright Pad Air Force Base. We're working with them, trying to get the National Honor Guard to present the colors during the National Anthem. Have a formal evening show where we have all the semifinals and finals of all the diesel classes in the Saturday evening show, along with some jet cars. Uh, Bill Lutz and Dean Turns with Thinky Pinky are coming out and going to do some grudge racing. We're going to have just an action-packed two and a half hours on that Saturday night, and we're going to try to get as many people to this show as we can. That's awesome, oh, man. Yeah. Chris is literally sitting here with yeah. his jaw on the floor. He has no idea what to say. Um, that's impressive. That is. That's a huge show, man. That's a, that's a lot yeah, of action right. to pack well, into a well, short amount of time. What we're trying to do is we're, like, a lot of people go to these diesel events, and it's two it's two days of just kind of, you know, there's action, but there's vendors, and there's some dyno here and there, and it's kind of like it's spread out so much you can't hold a family's attention for two full days. Right. Um, so what we want to do is we want to introduce to the general public what the baddest ass of diesel racing is. So instead of trying to hold their attention for two full days, we'll do a Friday night show and we'll do a Saturday night show. The Saturday is going to be the premiere. And, you know, I want a packed house where everybody can come out and they're like, wow, I never knew a diesel could go so fast. And they get to see jet cars and they get to see some drug racing. And, you know, the kids are going to be like, I want to go back that next year. And I think that's what we need to do to... <laughs> grow this diesel event uh we have to get other people outside of the diesel world excited about watching us because if it's boring to everybody else and then we're just racing ourselves yeah i love that 
That's so cool, man. Well, I'm really excited to see what Firepunk puts out there for 2019. Uh, it sounds like you guys got a lot of plans and a lot of big goals. I assume the team, your team will still be at the show for sure, right? Yes. At UCC. Yeah, we're going to be a sponsor at the show, and we're actually going to be racing the S10 in the Pro Mod Shootout at UCC. So okay. we'll awesome. be there. We're going to be active. We're supporting the event. Like, I'm going to be there if I have a baby two weeks early. But if I have a baby that weekend, I probably won't be there. Yeah, well, that, that so. seems, seems logical. Yeah, yeah. You know. We'll, we'll let right. it slide this year, LeVon. I don't want to hear this shit next year. But no, it's, we're excited about 2019. I, I've kind of come to the point where um, I knew I needed to do a lot less racing um, and stay home with the family, or I need to figure out how to accommodate the family. So this year we... Um, bought a bus that we can tow the race trailer with and then we're going to bring the family to events and uh i think my kids are i didn't want my kids to grow up repulsing racing because i'm dad's never home so <laughs> they're either that was either going to be the case or they're going to make their best memories they ever had uh, growing up at the racetrack so this year i'm hoping to still be just as active as we ever were we're just going to be bringing the family along and uh, it'll be a good time that's Very so cool. cool, man. Well, congrats again on uh, expecting the new baby. We're excited for you. Definitely want to see your team uh, out there at UCC, and maybe you'll make it along as well. Anybody you want to give a shout-out to, LeVon? I would like to give a shout-out to everybody that uh, has helped us along the way. I mean, that, that the list is really too long, but um, the, the main core uh, vendors or shops that have um, stuck by Firepunk from the beginning were, like, extra deep performance in the fuel systems, like, they, they have been there from the beginning, Drew at DNJ Precision Machine, Phil Taylor at Diesel Performance Converters. Those are people that have, like, they we've teamed up with them, and they have helped our success as much as we've helped our own because we couldn't do Diesel Power Challenge, QTC, all the dyno testing we've done without companies like that being willing to put some of their own sweat equity in, you know, finding the next level and all that stuff. So there's always that... that it's funny that you asked that because I, I look at, uh, I just saw an internet argument this morning about, they were talking about whose injectors are better. And there were, you know, there's people mentioning all these different companies. You know, you got CDP and SNS and uh, Ductile Injection and BD and all these people selling yeah. uh, injectors. And like, which one's the best? And uh, when you asked me who, uh, you know, who I want to thank, um, that kind of posed that question of, who is the best, and I really think the best answer I can give for the general public on something like that is when when a shop like Firepunk teams up with Exergy or DNJ or DPC, um, that we we know that they have done the best for us personally, and it's about relationships. Yeah. So I see a lot of guys who jump ship as soon as there's one problem, but that's some of what's been our success is when there is a problem, we've worked through it, and we've made all the companies involved have gotten better because of this. So I, I want to put that shout out to everybody. Like, if you guys have a local shop that you're working with, you know, if they're treating you good, um, support them. Because everybody needs to grow in this diesel industry. You're going on Amazon and buying your parts and then taking to your local guy to install it. Your local guy probably won't ever make enough money to survive. Yeah. Well said, absolutely. And hey, I always love when a guest gives a shout out to uh, one of our sponsors of the show. Yeah, of so course, for that. that works hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, for today, this has been Paul Wilson, Chris Emke. Thanks so much for listening.
The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Powerstroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and great customer service, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. I mean, God forbid the tires wear out, they're going to blame it on the brand. Yeah, the brand was a 